What's up, guys? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview entrepreneurs on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's guest is Rachel Musquez. She is the founder and creator of both Curcuma Kitchen and Luna Fixa. And in this episode, we discuss how she left a toxic world in LA to then land her dream job in Vanity Fair in New York City, but then she completely uprooted her lifestyle to run and manage her own food truck here in Austin, Texas. Everything in between these is where the magic really happens though, and I'm really excited for you guys to experience this and everything that this episode has to offer. So turn the sound up and follow along with Rachel's inspiring story. I'm super stoked to have Rachel Muskies on the podcast today. She's someone that I look up to and I'm inspired by because she is helping this world become a healthier and happier place with her brand, Curcuma. And especially in today's day and age with the pandemic going on, a lot of the love and light that she can share can help so many people. So how are we doing today, Rachel? Welcome to the Thrive on Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm super stoked to chat with you. I actually, today is like four years of me starting my business, which is a fun thing. Well, this week is the first uh, time that I laid eyes on my food truck. Um, And prior to that, I didn't even know that that's the business I was going to go into. So this week is kind of like a celebration of that anniversary for me. Hell yeah. And I guess I'm lucky right now because before we hopped on here, she's explaining how she's about to do a really badass road trip across... I don't know, the Western part of the US, yeah. that, where, that where you're going. Yeah. So that's kind of like where I'd love to start because a lot of people out there, if you're listening and you're in the corporate world, Rachel has that background and she was able to escape that lifestyle, build her own thing. And now she's an inspiration to me because she comes in here and talks about going on this road trip where her business is built up enough to the point where she's able to do this. And that's something that at Thrive, I'm literally trying to do as we speak. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but let's kick it right off with where the hell are you going on this road trip and (laughs) and what made you decide this? Yeah. I mean, it came about, you know, I guess it's part of like the post COVID world. I've lived in Texas now for four and a half years um, and my family's in California. And so, you know, I went through quarantine and isolation kind of without my family. And, you know, it was, I learned so much and I'm sure we'll get into that more and lots of transformation, but there's just a piece of me that has been like feeling like I need to like go home and be, be with my family. And logistically, I just didn't, it wasn't the right thing to try and fly. And things just started to kind of line up. I moved into this house like at the very beginning of quarantine and it was like my dream situation and I spent all this work of like planting a garden, which is something that I'm really passionate about. And like, it just didn't work. Long story short, everything that I wanted was just like not happening. And so about three weeks ago, I just made the decision to like put in my notice to move out. And luckily I was able to do that. So I'm putting my stuff in storage and heading west. So I'm going to go spend some time with my family. And then on the way back, I'm going to stop through Joshua Tree, Utah, Colorado, Um, New Mexico. I have friends who live in all of those places. And a big part of what I'm doing is uh, researching um, for a book that I'm working on, which is something I've been thinking about a lot, but like really got to decide what it was going to be with the extra time that I had while shutting down my food truck during COVID quarantine. So all I have to say, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I kind of have a general direction of like spending time in California with my family. And then I don't know, I just need a break from from, yeah, just like, (laughs) I mean, it's been so intense and like, you know, my business, I had to close down, but then it reopened and I'm like, oh, okay, it's fine. I mean, it's not like everything is back to normal or anything, but. And as a business owner, it's, it's, it's far from normal only because like, especially as a health conscious, human conscious owner, you're just like, you don't want to step on anybody's toes and you don't know what to, like, there's so many factors that we've just never had to deal with that are happening now. And that brings up my question of, have you always just been this free flowing? Like, because you're, you literally like, okay, this isn't working. I'm just going to pack things up and then go for a road trip. And usually most people are not like that. So I'd love to dig into 
how did you just decide that and just step yeah. into it? Because I think a lot of people, including myself and in my past, have struggled with, that's what I want to do, but like it takes a year to make that decision for most people. But how are you just like able to pull the pull the plug? Was that yeah, just that's who kinda, you are? Yeah, that's kind of like, who I am. Like this, I don't know if it's five or six times in my life I have just like, with a very short runway, just decided to move to a different place where I didn't know anybody and start over. And like, I've had major shifts in my life um, that I'm just like, this isn't working and I'm done. And I think that comes from this, it, it just, my, in my personality or just who I am of like, to me, when I look down a path of this is where I'm going. And if that doesn't look good to me, like it is so easy for me to just get off that track. Like my first job, I worked in um, entertainment and marketing. So I worked for like E Entertainment in LA. Okay. Like, I remember watching the pilot when like Keeping Up With The Kardashians was like <laughs> new. And I was like, what is this shit? You know, like, uh, no, yeah, you can I curse. Just, <laughs> You're good. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Just I just, be you. yeah, I was, you know, I was in LA and I was doing this and I, you know, I saw what my bo boss was doing and up the line and I was like, no. Fuck this. Yeah, yeah. this is not for me. And so within like, a, a, yeah, it took me about a month. I had applied for grad school and decided to move to New York and hadn't even gotten into grad school before I like quit my job and went out to go visit. And so I like switched my life um, from working in entertainment and then I moved to New York and yeah, to answer your question, this is just kind of like my thing. Where no, that's I just, awesome because this is, I think, especially in a time like now where a lot of people are questioning their lives and what they want to do, but a lot of people are built into this construct of they can't just up and leave. They can't just up and do these things. So are there any tips or advice you would have? Because this is obviously your zone of genius of just picking up and leaving. But what about the person out there that doesn't have that in them? What would your advice be to them? I think a big part of it is what holds people back is like their attachment to things and stuff and routines that aren't working. But people feel this like, I own this stuff, so I am now responsible for this house, this lease, these, you know, I, I signed on to this job and I haven't been there for a year. People have this arbitrary, like, oh, I, I'm going to be here for two years, even though six months in, they decide to hate it. So it'll look good on my resume. But like, as an entrepreneur, no one looks at your resume. Maybe people look at your LinkedIn and no one cares. Yeah. You know how, you know how Rachel got on this podcast? She just personal <laughs> messages me on a Facebook. Yeah. Like that's literally how you get anything in life is just like personal message somebody, DM somebody, yeah. LinkedIn message somebody. I love that. And I think what you're, what you're really saying is we grow up in this time where I think there's a huge shift going on in people realizing that especially for me, I'll talk from a personal standpoint, like quarantine made me realize like I really only wear maybe one tenth of my clothes. <laughs> yeah. Like that's one little example. And then yeah. maybe I only use like out of the objects that I have in our house, like maybe one tenth of them. Yeah. And you start realizing, wow, I'm walking places, I'm biking places. Once you kind of slow down and you don't really need much else. Yeah. And that's where I think people are really waking up to that point now. But my fear is that people just jump right back into it. Yeah. I mean, they say new normal, but my fear is that people whatever the normal back. is, they just go right back um, and they really shouldn't. So you have the people that are just afraid to jump in general, but then a lot of other people, and I've been asking this question to a lot of people, like, what are you passionate about? And some people just don't know. And it seems like you're the type of person that knows what they're passionate about and that's kind of allows you to say, as soon as this is not for me, I jump to something. But to the person that maybe is taking a step back now and slowing down and seeing that maybe they have these other things that they'd like to do, how do you find that passion and, and that drive that, that you have? For me, I feel it in my body. Like when I am starting to do something, I like my whole body, it feels like expansive. I'm just like, yes. And when I start to like feel whether it's a job or people or relationships, when I get that like cringy, like Ugh, contract, um, I'm just like, that's a no. And so for me, I just, you know, follow my bliss, follow that expansion, follow that, that light. Because I mean, when people, even when I, when I'm like chatting about things I'm working on and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I've been doing this. And this was especially before COVID. And I'm like, I'm, go I'm going through the motions. And then it's like, I just start talking about, you know, oh, I just spent the last year studying herbalism. And oh my gosh, there's so many plants that you can just walk down the green belt and they're here to like heal you. People are like, that's, you should do more of that. And so that's what I just have learned to recognize in myself that 
what I'm into and what lights me up totally changes. And so I just change with it. And I'm just trying to adapt, like, how much time am I giving stuff that, like, makes me feel cringy or makes me feel, like, contracted? And I try and just, like, shift into, like, if it lights me up to just, like, go sit in nature or, like, hang out with my dog and whatever, like, I'm just going to do more of that. So, yeah, I just, like, don't hold on to things that make me feel bad. That's awesome. And I think, I mean, human suffering is a thing. I've, I went to a a talk one time and they talked about how humans and animals, um, the one major difference is like an animal won't choose to suffer Mm -hmm. like a human will. So a good instance of this is like, if you have an antelope in the Serengeti and it's getting chased by lions and it gets bit, um, it literally immediately gets back up and acts like nothing happened because if it stays there and whines and complains, it's going to die. Yeah. Um, but then we have like humans where they have all these problems and they complain about their problems to their friends rather than realizing like, all I can do is just shift into what feels great, yes. that light, and literally solve the problem that I'm complaining about. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's all in your head. And that is one thing that I've like learned so much, especially during this time, because it's like something I knew, but you know, you can go through like a complete range of emotions where nothing about your exterior has changed. It's just, you're like starting to stress out about something or you think about something five years ago and you're like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe I did that. And it's like, nothing has changed except for your thought pattern. And so we just get in this like spinning out in this rotation of like, oh no, oh no. And then it's like, actually, if I just like choose to be like in this moment and feel good about this, everything's great. And like nothing has changed about the outside world. Not like maybe the weather's changed because you've been sitting there for too long, but like. I think, so I'll ask you this question. I've been thinking about this so much in the past like couple years and the the engineer in me is always just trying to find like a root cause to things. Um, I don't know whether that's good or the bad. That's for anybody else to decide. But for me, I think the root cause stems from like ego and how our ego makes us believe that whether we go left or right actually matters. Mm, mm-hmm. Like it really doesn't matter in the broad scheme of life. Yeah. Like whether you, whether you choose the harder path or the easier path and the happier path, like doesn't really matter because the world is going to continue to go on. The yep. globe is going to continue to spin. So I love how you how you put that. And I love to, so you said one word, herbalism. Is herbalism. That herbalism. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? Can you define that for me? Because yeah. I've heard it, um, but maybe some people in the audience don't exactly know what that is. Yeah, so herbalism is a study of plants. So botany is more of like science. This is the stems. These have pinnate leaves. You know, it's like really the sciencey part. Um, herbalism is more of a study of mostly herbs and mostly like medicinal or edible herbs. And so what I just spent the last year studying was specific to central Texas. Um, and so it, it's like learning about plant families to understand which ones offer medicine and what you can do with them. And so for me coming in as a chef who also believes in like healing modalities and I use food as medicine, um, I started studying herbalism so I could kind of like level that up. And it's just an incredible thing. I like love walking to nature and recognizing plants and then also knowing like what they can offer us. And so one of the things that's like really core to like what I believe in the world is that nature provides everything that we need. And so, you know, you don't need to be ordering a supplement that comes from Siberia in order to be healed or to be well. Like you can get food from your local farmer to like support your well-being, and then go out into like the wild, the wilderness and find medicine. And so I spent, I've spent a lot of time like making syrups, like cough syrups and making elderberry syrup. And I do like different teas and some of it I wildcraft or some of it I get from local herbalists, but you know, herbalism as a kind of practice is using plants that are around to make medicine. Yeah. And where did your passion for this come from? Like, where did your interest in, cause I'm, I'm reading this book called The Botany of Desire right now, which talks about four different plants, the apple, the tulip, marijuana, and then the potato. And it has a name for each. It's like the apple is, uh, I think it was desire or something like that. And then the tulip um, is like romance. And then marijuana is intoxication. And then it talks about, it was really interesting because it said how we think as humans that we're spreading plants and animals and things to all these different places. But it talks about how the plants actually did that to us. So like apples come from Europe. And it was talking about like Johnny Appleseed, how it like 
the, literally the apple got him to spread it all over the Eastern United States. And it, the humans will say it was like him taking the apple, but then this book kind of teaches you from the plant's perspective of like what they're trying to oh, do. Yeah. And then it talks about bees and all these other things. And I got super interested into it because I'm, I love my health and I want to have a garden one day. But how did you, I guess, what was your first step into that? Because this is something that is more of my personal thing that I want to learn how to be a better chef. I'm very far away from being a good cook. <laughs> I can, <laughs> you probably I can aren't edible. as far as you think. It's <laughs> all can... <laughs> about the quality of ingredients. Like it, in my opinion, it's yeah. Um, I mean, I think humans are very short-sighted in thinking that they know what's best and also have control over the environment. Um, I believe that, you know, plants have consciousness, animals have consciousness, the like nature, it all works together. And in my opinion, it all works together in my favor, in your favor. It is here for our our harmony and, and peace. Um, and so I think that when you live a life that is in balance with all of that, you get all of those benefits. When you're living a life that's in contradiction to that, you're just not receiving that support. People couldn't say God, universe, Gaia, whatever. I just know that it's real and that's how I feel. But um, I think that's where a lot of this stems from is that I believe that I am a better person when I'm connected with nature. And so, you know, it started with changing how I ate. You know, when I lived in New York, I would get, you know, hummus from the bodega and some like low fat chips. And I'm like, it's like healthy, right? You know, like I had I was not on this journey quite yet. And then I started getting into kind of understanding what the slow food movement is or locavore was like a big word, which is really just knowing where your food came from and getting it close to where you are from. So I'd go to the farmer's market or I got, had like a CSA box. And so I'd like my fourth floor walk up, I'm like carrying all these like kohlrabis and rutabagas. I'm like, what the hell is this stuff? You know, and like learning to cook. But once I started knowing where my food came from and just feeling a difference in like how I felt between like something that's like packaged and something that I attempted to make myself, but with something that was like fresh ingredients, that's where my shift came from. Like, oh, okay, it matters where my food comes from. And so I started, you know, eating healthy, but then I got into Ayurveda because the whole, you know. What is Ayurveda? So Ayurveda comes from India. It's like 5,000 years old. It's like the original holistic medical system. And so in Ayurveda, one of the first principles is to understand your unique constitution and then eating to support that. And so, you know, an Ayurvedic lifestyle involves diet, but it also involves movement, mindfulness, and, you know, usually using herbs and stuff also to support. And so when I kind of realized where my imbalance was, and for me, that was coming out in inflammation and hormone imbalance, once I was able to like change how I ate to feel better, that was also the inspiration for my truck. I'm like, oh, okay, nature is here for me. Now that I like know how to harness this power, I feel better. And now I can share that with other people. And then from there, I started, you know, getting more into superfoods. And then as I spent more time in nature, I started to realize like, wow, there's all of these plants here that I don't even know. And so actually one of my regulars, um, she owns a herbal school here. And so we'd always chat and I got to know her a lot. And then kind of decided to do this. And it was like two days a week for like eight or nine months. Uh, I was like, okay, this is the right time for me to go to herbal school. It was hard, but I also just made it work because something about the plants just continued to call to me. And yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I love it. And I, man, if you guys could just see her passion is just- <laughs> That's like, what I mean, the lighting this up. This is like, this is exactly everything I want from a guest on a podcast is you just to be super- passionate about whatever that you're speaking about and you're lighting up when it comes yeah. to like herbal, uh, herbalism and Ayurveda. That's something that I'm going to look into now. Cause that's, I believe in that, but I didn't even know what the word was for it because yeah. even before we were down here, we had some people walk in and we were talking about like diet and what we're eating and just talking about what do what's right for you. Um, because especially with the media and everything going on, they'll try to get you and oh, pull yeah. you in so many different ways. Um, because there's money to be made. Yeah, exactly. And there's not money to be made off of healthy people who can make their own food. <laughs> and their own decisions. And yeah. that's where um, I, I love how you said fourth floor walk up because when I was in New York, I had a fourth floor walk up. And I remember going to, I actually went, that's when I was literally, I think it was 23, 24, starting to experiment with my diet. And I went to a Mexican grocer. 
Um, so there was no English. So, but they had more vegetables and more fresh mm-hmm. things there because I'm guessing they were sourcing locally versus like obviously in, I was in Union City across from Manhattan. Those other places are just big chain oh, yeah. branches. Getting, like, I don't Cisco, know where they're getting, getting like from. The, yeah. So yeah. I would go in there and I was just enamored by all these things that I've never seen before. And I just started trying new things. Um, so it, it hits home with me, but I'd love to explain to the audience like a little bit about the other side of your life before you even got here, before you got to this passion. Because I think what a lot of people cannot see is that it's a journey. And even just sitting here in the studio that I'm in, uh, it didn't always look like this. And I was joking yesterday with one of our interns, Hamza, about last year we were in my apartment, two bedroom apartment, and it was it was not a fun experience. Um, and this is his first internship, and this kid I had to convince not to go to Deloitte or Accenture and take less money and work with me instead. And he's sitting here in this apartment complex. <laughs> um, so this is a nice um, one up to that. But I know what it's like. I guess you have to go through some despair before you get to that passion. So for you, tell us a little about where you grew up and how you actually ended up in New York in the first place. Yeah. Ooh, going all the way to where I grew up. So yeah, I grew up in a really small town up in Northern California. Um, I What was the town? The town I went to high school in was called Turlock. So yeah, it was known for like most churches and most turkeys per capita. Okay. It's like really, you <laughs> completely know. Completely random. Oh, completely random. I grew up in a, like a Christian home and I went to Christian school and church. And the thought process was, this is what you do. You go to college to get married and then you have babies. And obviously that was not my path. And I basically, as soon as I graduated, I like went to college at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and was just like, okay, now my life has actually started. But I didn't really have any exposure to like people who lived in a different way. It was very like, you're trying to do, you know, the goal is to like buy a house and have a family. And so that never resonated with me. Um, And so when I got to college, it was a lot of like figuring it out. But I had chosen journalism as a major. And so it's a part of the school newspaper. And I think it really comes from like this curiosity that I've always had in life. Like I love asking questions and I love just like, knowing things. Um, And so that was kind of where I went for undergrad. And then near the end of school, I kind of was getting really interested. I kept on seeing like celebrity culture and how it was shifting. And I was like, this is weird. And because I just get so fascinated with trends sometimes, I was like, let's just see what this is like. So I moved to LA, kind of like worked the belly of the beast kind of thing. Like my first job was working for the manager of like the Backstreet Boys. And I used to have to call like Aaron Carter. How did you get that job? I interned at MTV and then at the end of it, I was like, I was just asking around and they're like, oh, my friend, like they need like a second assistant. So I ended up being an assistant for this guy who, I mean, I was just like book calls. Like I would like book their like <laughs> tables at these clubs. I would call them to remind them of their dentist appointments. Like it was so random, but then I ended up working at E and so I did that for a couple years and was in television. It was like all about celebrity culture. Then it was like Britney Spears was shaving her head and Anna Nicole passed away and that's when I was like, this is really crazy. I've seen enough, you know? And so. What, did you have like an inkling? Like, obviously we've been talking a little bit earlier about how you're just good at like pausing and completely pivoting. Yeah. Going back to that time frame, like what kind of was the moment where you were, all right, this is not for me. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was around the time when celebrity culture was getting like super toxic and it was like Perez Hilton was like outing people and these little starlets were like just going into rehab and like it felt really toxic. At the beginning when I first moved there, I was like, oh, this is fun. And then it, it wasn't fun for me anymore. And that's, again, that's the thing when I, when I start to feel that like cringy feeling, I'm like, I'm good, I'm done. And during that time, I had also gotten really into music. And so- Basically, I was like sitting in my friend who's a music supervisor's office and I was like, I think I want to move to New York. And he was like, oh, my friend just like said that they were looking for someone at their office in New York. And he connected me and then I flew out for an interview and then like moved two weeks later. It was like, That's I, crazy. All I, the only reason I was like, oh, I, like I was even talking to him because I would just always go in there and be like, hey, what, what shows are happening this week? Can you get me on the list somewhere? And like, that was just me in my early twenties. I just like go to concerts all the time and so I moved to New York and started working in music and just- Where did you live when you were in New York? Lower East Side. Okay. Like heart of it. Like my first apartment was like, oh my God, I was like paying $1,200. I did not have a window. Um, all my walls were fake. Sounds like New York. Yeah. It was like <laughs> crazy. I mean, it wasn't any better. Like 
I I paid a thousand dollars for this little little room in Union City, and that was because I guess by the time I lived there, I I wanted to save like five hundred dollars because anything in New York was at least fifteen hundred dollars for a closet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I like when I moved to New York, like, and I also have a tendency. It's just, my personality is like I go all in. Like I'm just if I'm into something, I'm like super into it, and if I'm over it, it's like. What are we even talking about? I don't even, you know, it's it's done. And so, yeah, I was, you know, the first few years um, I was working in music, did grad school. And then with grad school, I really kind of just started to find. Um, Why did you choose to go to grad school? Well, I think originally, because I love education so much, I've always wanted to teach. And I kind of thought that getting my master's would then open me up to being able to like teach at a college level, which I haven't pursued at all. But I think one day I could kind of see that, that that'll be like, live out on a farm, go in and teach some kids about whatever and, you know, write, be writing my thesis and things like that. So I don't know, maybe that'll happen. It's not so high on my list anymore, but that was the thought process that I kind of like, I didn't know how to get to the next level without higher education. And so I studied media studies, which was part theory and part production. And so I learned kind of just how to do all the things from like, editing to design to marketing, but then also really understanding like what it means to mediate a message, you know, how the distribution like affects society. And so I was like super into like that. And yeah, it was also just really fun. I like love learning. And so I loved that environment. Um, And then when I finished grad school, I landed like my dream job. Um, I worked at Vanity Fair for like three years. I was an online producer. So I was like producing content, working with like the best photographers and editors and writers. And kind of my job was kind of just being like the flow and the hub of like making sure everything went live when it was supposed to. Um, And I did that for a few years. And I think that was like, you know, that was, it's really hard to walk away from your dream job. And that was like the thing that, um, I struggled with and which is why I stayed in it for so long. Like I started, like I was telling you about my experience with food. And once I, that start, I realized that that was what was lighting me up and like sitting in a cubicle and going to Ugh. all these meetings and trying to have these partnerships with the advertisers and how do we integrate in with the editorial. I was like going through all of the motions, but like my soul was dying. And so um, eventually like there was just like mass layoffs. And so I was like very lucky to just, I, it was done, you know, like I didn't have to make that decision. Like I was ready. And so the it was universe like, knew. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was never going to be, it would have been harder to walk away. But um, fortunately for me, like I, it just, that door closed. And so then again, I had to be like, what, what do I want to do? Um, and so I had some ideas of like entrepreneurship and, and I moved to Oakland for a little bit and like lived in. Were you, were you interacting with any entrepreneurs at the time? Like run us through because right now there's, a lot of people like, again, rethinking yeah. and a lot of them, I think the universe is answering their questions right now. just like with you, they, they either got laid off or they're at home mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily, they're rethinking what they're doing. Um, and I think the biggest fear with a lot of people that I speak with is they just have no clue what they're doing or where yeah. to start or who to connect with. And for you, were you connected with any entrepreneurs at the time or like, no. what, what was your world like in terms of like understanding business? Cause you're talking a lot about media and your dream job, but your understanding of business, where did that come from? Or even wanting to start your own business. Where yeah. did that come from? I mean, I, so yeah, after I got laid off. I also went through like a breakup at the same time. And this is like very typical, Rachel. I booked a one-way ticket to Tulum and I was like, I'm going to sit on this beach until I know what I want to do next. And so that lasted for a few weeks. And then that's when I decided, I'm like, I have to work for myself. Every other path, every other career, I like went all in, you know, I had my dream job. I did all these things. And I was like, that didn't work. Like I don't, it doesn't make sense for me to just get another job working for another company when it's just not going to work. That's not who I am. Yes, I think I was like watching and paying attention to like some what other people were doing, but I didn't really have like a squad or anything. And it really just came down to like, how do I want to spend my time? And so actually my first business was a picnic business. I used to like make little artisan, like with artisan goods and I'd like get, put them in a wicker basket and like deliver them to people around Brooklyn and like because that's so cool. <laughs> it's so <laughs> random. But when I think about it, because what I, I remember sitting on that beach and being like, what do I love? I love food. 
I love being outside. I love connecting people and I love creating experiences, which I guess my food truck isn't that much different or like what I'm doing now. It's still kind of all of those elements. It's just a pillar and people are coming to you. Yeah. It's just like, it's like food, people, community, like that's really what I'm all about. And so my first iteration, I mean, I didn't make any money, but I like loved doing it. It was so fun to me for just like researching, like what's the perfect picnic basket? What was the the biggest struggle like in that moment? So you go to, you go to Tulum and you come back and you kind of have an idea in your head. What was the biggest struggle at that time? I think the finance part of it. Cause I didn't really save up for anything. Um, and so I didn't really have the freedom to just like go all in. And that's the same thing with my food truck too. Like I've really had to bootstrap everything. I've been self-funded, a solopreneur. And so it's always just kind of like been on me. Um, and so that's definitely been the hardest part. And I, it wasn't until I started finding the community, like you're saying of like other entrepreneurs where I started to actually make strides in my business. Because before then I was just like, I guess I'll do this. And then I'm like, did I make money? Uh, there's money in my account. Where did, okay. You know, but once I started having people and I was having conversations and um, with like other people in the food business and talking about margins and talking about maintaining staff and, you know, things like that is when I started to like actually level up because I was just in this mode of like spinning for a while, like the hamster wheel. Um, but yeah, I didn't, yeah, in that, in that time though, I didn't really... And the reason, the reason I ask that is because it's the same answer every time. It's, you just don't know what the hell you're doing. Oh, no and the does. only yeah. way to kind of figure things out is to jump into the water mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you find out, is it cold? Is it hot? Is it uh, muddy? Like what, yeah. what do I need to, what, do, what problems do I need to solve? You don't know the problems you really need to solve until you kind of jumped in. Yeah. And I want to know what year was this? Cause obviously with social media and stuff like our world has changed a lot in terms of what you can do as a solopreneur. But what year did you kind of start testing the waters? Um, So that was like 2014. Okay. So yeah, I was like, you know, dipped my toe in to entrepreneurship. So I had my picnic business and then I um, got another corporate job and I kind of saved up some money so I could actually leave New York. Um, So I stayed and kind of was doing that for a bit. Instagram was like coming around and I remember being like, oh, hashtags, you know, like it was... Oh, no one's like, what are, what are we doing here? You know, so it, Twitter was still like a thing. And, and IG wasn't... stories, I think that came oh, out yeah. in like 2015. Yeah, IG stories came out since I opened my food truck. When I first opened my food truck, that wasn't even a thing, you know? Yeah. What I love how that you just said is that you went and got another corporate job. And I think a lot of people that want to start their small business, a lot of people are super stubborn about being an entrepreneur where I actually recommend like don't jump until you have some sort of plan or cash backup because the it's very hard to do what you want to do and do what you love to do and have the control if you don't have a safety net or something. That's and- I, that's the advice that I give people when they kind of ask about it. And it's really like, and I got this from Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote this amazing book called Big Magic. But basically to, if you really want to live a life that is um, like, lit up and on fire, like, and be creative all of the time. It is a lot to ask for your creativity to also pay for your lifestyle. Your creativity is a gift. It's an access point to your spirituality and who you are, but to also pay the bills, like that's like asking too much. That's like, so I, in my opinion, is that if you don't have another job, like save up money. For me, like even with my food truck, like I was waiting tables at a, someone else's restaurant for the first eight months. I would, you know, get up early, go to the food truck, open, do lunch service, close it, go to my restaurant job, do all of that, get home, do prep, and then do it all again the next day. Like I was grinding it out, but that's what it took to like get my dream started. Like I couldn't just expect that just because I have this business idea that it's also going to pay my rent, at least at the beginning. Yeah. And And a lot of the money that you even make on the creative side, and this is where a lot of people get confused is like, even with Thrive, like any dollar I make goes right back into hiring an intern. Oh, yeah. Putting, it goes right back out the door to try and get to the next level of that vision. Yeah. And that's where if you can find a way to create an income elsewhere that's yeah. not attached to your business, it's so valuable. And it's one of the reasons that I kept personal training over the years. Yeah. It's just like when I personal trained 10 clients at a time, I didn't really like it. But if I personal trained like three to five people 
which I liked. I love conversation. I love helping people get healthier. And I put enough cash in my pocket where it's like I could pay my bills. But then when I consult and I make any money through Thrive, it all goes right back into it, which then helps me get to that next level. Yeah. And for you, where I'd love to ask, okay, so where did it go from, okay, this is just an idea to, okay, this could be something like substantial to my life where I could pay for my life. And we were talking about how you're going on a road trip. Mm-hmm. What was there an inflection point there that you remember? Cause mm-hmm. like you're going back 2014, like that's only like five, like as soon as you got to Austin, like that's not that many years ago. Yeah. So, and a lot of people think like, Oh man, it's going to take so long with my business, but college is four years. Yeah. So like, you're already kind of like getting to this next level. I'm like, do I get a graduation certificate? Yeah. <laughs> like what, who's giving you the pat on the back this time, right? Yeah. No, you have to take, you have to take that into your own hands. But do you know of like an inflection point where it's like, okay, I don't need this restaurant job anymore. And I can kind of take the next step into business. What was that for you? For me, it was, um, I mean, I just kept trying to like make the business better and better. And I think that like I found a, a second like revenue stream like with my business. Um, so I started doing food service. Um, so golden milk is like the thing that's like most popular at my truck. Um, and it's then, so good. Everyone try it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I just had to get creative. You know, pe- like my customers, oh, I want to make this at home. Oh, like I, I saw this recipe on Pinterest. It like was a disaster. My, you know, it was such a mess. And so I just listened to people and then found an idea to like start selling it as a product, like just my concentrated spices. And then I took that and started selling it to restaurants as well. And so it wasn't until that I had my business that was like paying for itself pretty much, but it wasn't until I found another revenue stream that like offset what my additional income needed to be in order to like pay for my rent. And so it was really just like I mean, it felt like it was kind of starting another business, which it was, but yeah, I just, I had to find another revenue stream because again, like just because you have a really good idea and you believe that it can be something doesn't mean that it can pay all of your bills. And so I kind of just was like, what can I do more of? And like, where am I actually making the most money from like the least amount of like cost of goods, at least amount of time. And so for me, it was a, it was so much more scalable to like have a product and to do food service than it is to try and get twice as many customers at a food truck. Cause it is like, yeah, you can't control that. And oh that's, my God, that's yeah. the thing, like control your controllables and understanding and the product side of business. It's so many people spend time and energy on their low margin things versus trying to look for a high margin to then create a loss leader. The way that I think about it, cause I've, I've researched a little bit into food trucks and things like that as a loss leader, because if I had like something that could drive around, attract customers, and then they knew that I had this product that they could take home with them and buy online, it would then help my online sales even more. Yeah. And like, that's way higher margin than I could like in this little truck. And it wouldn't be a food, I don't know what type of truck it would yeah. be, but I just had thought through it because I was like, oh, like the real advantage of this truck is like she has this implant somewhere where people are showing up to her on a daily basis and then she can create up another product yeah. that is online. And now that the people that came to the truck is like, oh, I'm going to research this. And then they start buying from home and it's your ability to scale is just the potential yeah, is there. I, mean, I really do think of my food truck as more of like a flagship and like my point of contact with my customers. Like, Right now I have an audience of like almost 9,000 people, but I do not have 9,000 customers coming to my truck every month, you know? So it is people who want what I'm about, but like the food truck is kind of like the hook and then getting them into the community. Yeah. And so I've done- It's like your top of funnel. Exactly. And so, and to me, like- I, you know, especially even with having to close down at the beginning of COVID and the quarantine, I definitely went through the like, am I going to reopen? Like what environment will I reopen under? And like, is it worth it? And, you know, I went through all of that stuff. And ultimately I realized that it's important to me to have my food truck in this community because I truly believe in the, that food is medicine and that there isn't a lot of options that are out there that are healthy, plant-based, organic, that is like serving education along with the food. So to me, I like definitely want to keep the food truck open, but I also want to find ways to like connect with this audience. Cause like when my windows were closed, I, that was a real struggle. I'm like, am I letting people down now that I can't even give them food? But yeah. you know, one of the things I did during the break was also 
I did a Kitchery cleanse, which is like a, a seasonal reset that I, you know, guide people through and either give them the ingredients to make it or make it and they prepare it and they pick it up, basically to help reset digestion. And it's a five-day thing. And so I like walked people through this and I, I was able to just do it all like on Zoom and emails. And I'm like, oh. I can still serve people in this way. And then I also did another um, mentorship program for women called Wild Alchemy in which I'm like sharing my knowledge of Ayurveda and herbalism. So for me, the food truck is like, people come and do that, but like, that's not really what my product is. That's not really what my business is. My business is really based on my passion and my core value of like, I want to nourish the people and I want to educate people to learn how to heal themselves. And so the food truck is the thing that people know the most about. The products are the ways I can give it to them in their home. And then this other education piece is like a little bit more fluid right now as I'm trying to figure out what it looks like, but I'm just kind of doing, okay, a week here, eight weeks here and, and kind of just test it, just yeah, like just everything test else. It, like, Teach one, each one. That's yeah. what I love. I mean, I, and I don't even know about this side of your business. So now that I know, this is a, directly in line with like kind of what happened to me and where we were going. I, we have this space where I, this was this office was my fla- going to be my flagship. Like, come, we're going to host events, fitness, cook, everything. And now I've had the shift to I do everything on Zoom and everything is online. And I'm like, wow, I can actually teach way more people. And if my goal, my goal has always been like core values and impact. Well, I can actually do more of that now digitally than physically. So kind of the the same run through, and it's it's nice to hear you say that as well. Um, but I man, I have so many questions, um, and th- this is really cool. Um, but one of them is, okay, so you're in New York, you're doing this. How did you even stumble upon a food truck in the first place? Like what? Like, how did that yeah. happen? Because oh. you're like, literally like, you're going from desk job to, okay, food truck. Yeah. Like, that is a complete, I would say 180 in most <laughs> people's worlds, like, yeah. of working at a desk to like, a food truck. Yeah. To go from Vanity Fair to a food truck is like, <laughs> <It's> like not, uh, <laughs> there's a few steps in between. So I left New York, um, after kind of like dipping my toe in with the picnic business, I moved to Oakland for a bit and I lived in this co-living house, which was basically, um, a community, community living. There was like 12 of us entrepreneurs. It was a lot of like kind of Bay Area burner vibe. And we were really all about like sustainable living. And, and I got really into involved in the food program. So I started cooking for my community and, really learning how to like source. And then a friend of mine was like, Hey, this, um, art residency in Italy is looking for a chef. Like you should, you should apply. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not a chef. And she was like, you cook for a bunch of people, you know how to source food. You're a chef. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) okay. So yeah, I ended up moving to Italy for like six months and was, uh, like a chef for a bunch of hippies in the mountains. I mean, I was a chef because I said I was one and I just learned how to do that. And so when my visa ran out, I was like, oh, I got to go back, I guess. Um, and I didn't want to go back to California or New York. And I had been to Austin. I'm like, oh, I think I have like an entrepreneurial idea. Food truck was not even, I didn't even know. But I ended up moving to Austin and was helping my friend out at her smoothie shop. And I was like trying to decide what it is that I'm going to do next. And I literally was just like walking down the street exactly four years ago this week and I saw a food truck and I was like, that's the cutest thing I've ever seen. And I bought it three days later. And then I learned how to run a food truck. <laughs> so the thought process there was like, I know that I want to do something in food. What is like the <laughs> and, lowest barrier to entry? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's funny that I chose a food truck because I would don't think anyone would be like, oh, that's the easy way. Because <laughs> oh, if you want to write a book one day, why don't you open a food truck first? It's like... <laughs> You have to just lean into your gut. Like I love, and this, this story is refreshing to me because it, I find it hard to relate to people sometimes because I'm very much like your style. Uh, it's more, it reminds me of like the Richard Branson style of entrepreneurship. Like this dude wanted to just fly across the U S so he did it. Like yeah. that's what he was feeling. So he just did it. And even in most people's scenarios, they'll write up an Excel sheet, they'll give you a PowerPoint mm-hmm. and they'll present it to you of all the reasons why you shouldn't do this. And you're still like, yeah, I don't care. I'm still going to go this way. Yeah, because when you look at the <laughs> options of like, do this or don't do this, I'm just like, well, I want to, so I'm going to do it. And then I'll figure it out, you know? And I, I have a saying or like a mantra for myself of like, it's not about making the right decision. It's about making the decision right. Oof. And I just like- Say that again? It's not about making the right decision. It's about making the decision right. And I think for me, the way that I think about that is if I make this decision- 
And I would rather love the struggle of this decision or hate the indecision of this other mm, one. Mm-hmm. I'll go with the one where it's, I made this decision. I love this and there's going to be problems and I'm okay with the problems. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are sitting in problems that, again, they didn't choose. I'd rather choose the problems. Like you open a food truck. I know that you don't know the full problems that come with it, but you're like, this isn't going to be easy. Yeah. But any problem that gets thrown my way, I'm now a food truck owner and I'm going to deal with the problems versus like letting life throw its problems on you. I think that's what a lot of people are doing, yeah. especially right now. And so you, you own the food truck and you start with the food truck, but my question would be, okay, you bought a food truck before you had a product or did you think about well, the product? Well, so I, what I had been kind of thinking of, like I had been recipe testing and was like, okay, maybe I'll do private chefing. And I had personally gotten into Ayurveda. And so I was learning how to like heal myself through different things. So pretty much everything on the menu is like things I came up with in my kitchen that I like to eat that I think tastes good. So I, I found the food truck. I walked by it because I was actually looking for fresh ginger in my neighborhood I was trying to go to this little market because I was recipe testing for golden milk. So I was kind of already thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get a booth at the farmer's market or maybe I'll start private chefing or I wasn't sure. I just knew that like when I was in the kitchen and I was making food that made me feel good with the idea of serving it to other people, that's when I was excited. And like I had vaguely thought about a food truck. I'm like, I guess that's like in the realm of possibility, but it wasn't until I just saw the exact one and I, you know, I only looked at one food truck. I had never even been inside one. And I just like walked up. This guy's like selling tea. And I was like, hey, this is really cool. Where'd you get it? And he was like, oh, I'm actually selling it. And I was like, okay, let me be right back, you know? And thought about it. And I was like, yeah, okay. This is, this is the thing. You didn't even look inside the food truck before you bought it? No, I did. But oh, I, had I, never, like, I had never been inside of oh, any food okay. truck. Like I had never been inside. Like it wasn't something before that I- Before you kind of made that decision. Right. Yeah, I just looked awesome. inside and, I, and it was like, legit perfect. Like, cause I don't need, you know, if I would have bought a food truck from like someone who made egg rolls, I'd be like, Oh, there's like all this like grease trap and this and that. But it was just like, he was just making tea and it was just like built out the way that I needed it. And to me, I mean, I believe that there's no such thing besides divine timing. Like everything works out in your favor at the right time. And it's just like up to us to kind of remove the blocks and remove the layers so that we can see when those opportunities are there for us. And so it was just, it was the perfect color. It was the perfect build out. And it was like the universe said, this is the thing. Do you want it? And so to me, I just, I felt, and this is kind of like a pattern in my life. It was in that moment that I just felt like I don't have an option to not do this. Like this is what I've been dreaming of, manifesting, some people will call it. And it was like, I can't just keep thinking about it and doing, you know, and dreaming about it. Like, yeah, you're already doing it at your house. Like, yeah. It's something you're already doing. Yeah. And, and I just, I needed to find that door and it's like the door like swung open. And I think the hardest part is like people walking, it's just to decide to walk through it. I think people sometimes like look at these things and they're like, oh, well, I, I wanted to do this before I do that. And I wanted to get this degree, but so I, you know, could do this and, you know, Go the comparison game, the imposter syndrome, like all of those things. But the reality is like- They're doing everything but the thing. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. Writing about it, reading about it, talking about it, listening to podcasts about it. And it's just like, the door is open. Just walk through it. And like you said, of like, just deciding that the struggle is worth it. Because I think the struggle and the discomfort of indecision is like- there's really not that many things worse. But yeah, that's we, that's way worse than the actual problem. Oh my of gosh. Like going through that door that you're talking about. Exactly. Like, you know, when I think about, you know, how do I make this decision right? It's just like you just commit and you just go for it and you just keep showing up. And when I think about kind of the success I've had in my food truck versus other people who have started businesses um, around the same time and maybe have closed them or whatever, I think the reason why I've been successful is because the type of business that I opened required me to show up every single day for a long period of time and to just keep doing it and keep getting better. Like the first time I had like, you know, five customers at a time, I was like golden milk flying everywhere. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I did it. You know, I cleaned up the mess and then I tried to do it better the next time. And it just so happens that like when you do something eight or nine hours a day, every single day, you really start to get good at it. Reality is probably more like 12 to 14 hours a day. But um, 
I had to keep showing up. And I think sometimes people decide to, you know, they want to do like an entrepreneur life and you see all these things of your messages of the four hour work week. And you see people on Instagram who like seem like they're never working, but they have these seemingly successful businesses. But like the reality is you just have to show up and you have to work and you just have yeah, to keep, the, keep showing up. The thing that I would say is showing up looks different than in the corporate world. And that's what people think because they're really, they equate showing up to, I got to my desk, mm-hmm. I worked not, I worked nine to five, like I'm going to get paid. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, I got to do my accounting. Then I got to clean the food truck. Then I got to hire somebody and train that person. Then, oh wait, I have a personal life. I got to take care of myself. <laughs> that, like, yeah, that, oh, does that even exist? Right. <laughs> so it's me. like, who is handling all these other things? Yeah. So for you, how did that work out? So you're running this food truck, but like I know the back end of a business is super critical. So how were you managing obviously the front end and the, the milk, the golden milk side of it and the food truck, but how are you handling the stress of the back end and figuring out all the, all that went in with that? Because if you want to scale, obviously you have to figure out yeah. those different pieces. Cause I'm, I'm just assuming that you didn't get in this food truck and be like, I'm going to be in this food truck 12 hours a day for the next 50 years. <laughs> like I had no had- idea what I was thinking. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about it in that way, which is good because if I thought about what sacrifices it was really going to require, I would have been scared and I would have been like, oh, is that, and then I would have missed the window and then I would have stayed in that indecision and been searching for the next thing. But I just knew that if I'm going to fulfill my mission of nourishing the community, this is, this is the place where I can do it. And I mean, I really just like figured it out as I went along and yeah, it took a lot of sacrifice. It took a lot of personal sacrifice. And I think that's something that I even don't even talk about that much. I think entrepreneurship sometimes can be like a house of mirrors where you're just like walking through and you're like, oh my God, you catch a, you know, an angle of yourself and you're like, do I really look like that? Or like you start to work with people and you have conflicts or you are disappointed or like, oh my gosh, I can't like, I thought I was going to have a mental breakdown when I like, there's like a ton of spoilage of like, I had like this big event and it was like everything that I had made just went bad. And I like thought I was going to, you know, I was like, I just lose, lose my mind. What did you do? I just sold out. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm sold out. <laughs> like, because it went bad. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I didn't cry in the moment, but I like definitely went home and was just like, I'm just going to turn off everything and just sit with it, you know? And then I, I learned what I did wrong. You know, yeah, I knew what I did wrong. That's, that's what I was going to ask is what did it teach you? Um, I mean, it, to be very meticulous, especially with like food stuff, you know, I think because I was so used to, it was, it was in the, in the time of like scaling of like, oh, if this works for me when I do it at this level, then I'll just, I guess I'll just do more of it. You know, it was like, I really had to like have a plan, you know, when I'm doing these like big events, like towing my trailer out to Willie Nelson's house. And I have to have a very good checklist to be like, did I get this? Did I get this? Where are the straws? Where are the cups? You know, making sure because I just had gotten in the pattern of like, oh, like I can just do this and kind of wing it. But like once I started to scale, I realized that like you can't just wing it. It's like you have to trust that process at the beginning and then really have a plan and systems in place. Yeah. Yeah, And once it was like that discomfort in between winging it and having a system that like, I think, I don't know about other people, but that was a place where I, it was dark for me. I was like, I don't know if I'm capable of doing this. Everything is uncomfortable. I have no personal life. I feel really lost. I feel underqualified. You know, it was, and the reality is like, all of those things were true, but they weren't permanent. You know, they were, reality is like, I didn't know how to do it because I had never done it before. And so the two options. Grow or die. Exactly. That's that's why the only people in entrepreneurship that you see are successful ones because everyone else just gave up. And that's the problem is like, you have so many people jump in because they see the success. But in reality, it's like, the numbers of the people that have just dropped off because that feeling that you had, yeah. they just, they packed up and they went back to their parents' house and restarted in this new corporate job and you'd never see them again. Yeah, exactly. You do, you definitely don't hear those stories. You only hear entrepreneurs like failure stories after they've succeeded, you know? And I think a lot of people are just like, mm, okay. But yeah, for me, it was, it was like super uncomfortable. And going back to like that, the house of mirrors, like my business required me to like, become a better person, to be 
be everything that I told people that they should be doing, you know? Because I think that that's a lot of reasons why we start something. We're like, I need something, so I'm going to create it for other people because they probably need it too. But for me, especially like the Ayurvedic lifestyle and um, eating in alignment with like what my body needs, like I was interested in that, but it wasn't until like I was working, you know, 14 hour days and not eating like correctly for my body and not taking care of myself that I was like, oh, this is where I have to implement what it is that I'm teaching, what it is that I'm telling other people. And so, yeah, it just like forced me to like be better and just grow as a person. And yeah, I've done all sorts of like personal development stuff on the way, mostly because I want my business to succeed because I want to fulfill my purpose in life. But like I, the Rachel that began this journey. You're a completely new human. Oh, completely. That's what people don't understand. It's just yeah. like, cause my friends will come out and visit and they'll see this and, and like I can t- I can sense the energy is different because I'm a completely different mm-hmm. person than who I was. And you mentioned core values earlier. Like I didn't have core values as a human until I started a business. Yeah. Because I was like, what does this stand for? Yeah. Who do I stand for? Who do I stand with? How? And then when you start talking about the health side of things, I always used to think I was healthy. Like in college, like I was an athlete. So I'd be like, I'd have my peanut butter and jelly sandwich or my tuna sandwich. And then I'd eat a bunch of eggs and like drink all the time. But then I would justify the drinking all the time because I ate quote unquote healthy. Yeah. Um, and I was eating, literally, I remember eating like these quote unquote healthy crackers with tuna. That was my, all my roommates will make fun of me because they hated the smell of tuna. Uh, but that was like, I was high protein. I wanted to, to lift and what my diet looks like now. And I say the word diet for anybody listening, like no matter what you eat, you're, that's just your diet. It's, yeah. I'm not talking about a diet of like cut calories or anything like that. Um, it's just what you eat. And what I eat looks completely different because it's optimized to like what makes me show up best for this podcast. Because if I show up great for this, then Rachel's going to feel comfortable and show up great. And then my audience is going to feel better about the podcast. And maybe they go out and do something great and help somebody else. So I'm like this chain reaction of everything. And it starts with what am I putting in my body for food? And then what am I putting in my brain? And then spiritually, how am I relaxing, recovering, and making sure that my mind, body, and soul are all interconnected connected. So I think a lot of people don't really understand that. And one of the reasons I started the podcast is because again, people in the corporate world, like they don't get to interact with the Rachels of the world that much, but they can listen to you on this podcast. So I'm super thankful for everything that you're talking about. And unfortunately we got to get close to wrapping up. So the last little section I want to dive into is where the hell is curcuma going? And like, what do you, what are your like dreams? And I always ask people, what is their moonshot? So if say you didn't have the money issues or the time issues or any issues, like what would that moonshot goal for your brand and maybe some, maybe another business is blooming. Like what, what is that goal of yours or that mission? Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to share this because it definitely is different than if, you know, you would have asked it at the beginning of March. Um, so I, have found the joy in my food truck once again in, in curcuma and its place in this community of, like I said, offering healthy plant-based options for people and educating them through understanding that like when you eat, it's supposed to make you feel good. And when you feel good, every, like you said, it's chain reaction. Like you're so much more prepared for life and just, you can be a light and love in all ways. And so I feel really good about continuing on with my food truck to let it be what it is. And, you know, with that expansion, I'm really trying to delve more into education and offering more resources on the website. Um, I do these community cleanses every season. So I'll keep doing that. And then I think I'm going to try and find some ways to make it more accessible for people who want to do it that maybe aren't in Austin or aren't here in person. So that's important for me. But yeah, curcuma will stay intact as a food truck. And thank God I didn't open up a restaurant. So that is off the table. I am very happy to just have the cutest little trailer in Austin and keep doing that. And I have an incredible team of people who um, are going to be running it while I'm away. And so we're thinking about doing some other like membership kind of things where like you get, um, they're, they're all certified either health coaches or herbalists. And so well, I think subscription. by the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By by the fall, I think we'll offer some sort of subscription in which people can kind of understand what their body con- their constitution is, and then we can either ship them products that we make in house or herbal remedies, um, supplements, things like that, um, or offer them kind of like coaching or support in that way. 
So I think that's what curcuma will be. And then I have a product line called Lunafixa. And a big part of what I'm doing on this road trip is doing a lot of research of kind of seeing what the next um, stage of that is going to be. So my vision for it is really being able to offer these resources and guides on how to connect with nature and live a life that's in balance. Um, And, you know, not just by like, yes, I'll have the products and the teas and herbal things that people can connect with, but also wanting to offer like, um, you know, we're transitioning into summer or, or to fall and like, here's how to shift what you're doing. And here's some rituals that you can, um, incorporate into your life. And so that's actually going to be like the basis of a book that I'm working on, which is going to be, um, my priority while I'm on this road trip is to be doing research, um, and really getting to know plants of different landscapes so that I can kind of say, okay, in the Southwest, here are the plants that can, um, help to heal you, help, um, here's you know, medicines that can line up with that. So yeah, I'll have the food truck, I'll have my product line, which will be kind of like lifestyle content, the beginning of my book. And then um, I think I'm going to continue on to do like mentorship through this program called Wild Alchemy. So I'll probably run it once a year um, for women who are interested in kind of embracing this life that's super lit up and turned on and um, all about like being in nature and being the wild woman. Um, So yeah, those are the things I'm working on. Overwhelming. I know. I know. I'm like, every time I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. Then it's like something else flourishes. Like, okay, I'm going to grow something else. To me, that's refreshing because I I can't wait for my wife to hear this because I overwhelm her with every little thing that I'm trying to get in. I'm just like, this is just who I am. Like, this is just what I love to do. And like, when something comes, I lean into it. And then when I don't like it anymore, I lean out of it. And I think that's something that for me, the more I actually allow myself to do that. And it's just, I'm thankful you came on here today because it shows that I'm on the right path by leaning into that and just listening more to what is it that fuels my fire and, and is fun to me. Yeah. So I just want to say one more thing to the listeners. Yeah, go ahead. This is the thing that I think I learned the most during, um, while I had to like close down my businesses was like, I learned how to give myself permission to show up however it felt good. And to stop doing things that didn't make me feel good. There were literally times where I would like, get in my car, I was going to go run an errand, you know, and I was like, in my body, I'm like, I don't want to do this. And I just gave myself permission to be like, don't do things you don't want to do. And as I started to plan to reopen, you know, I was like, do I actually want to do this? Is this how I want to spend my time? And when the answer is a hell yes, then it's like, when you're lit up, those hours, they just go by like seconds and you're just like loving what you're doing. But if you are like forcing yourself to do things, it's never going to feel good. So it's like, give yourself permission to just like feel it in your body and decide if you want to keep doing it. And it's totally okay to just change it, do something else, be someone else, go somewhere else. Like, put your stuff in storage and go have an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And I love ending on that point because going back to kind of the chain reaction that I had, that this is an enlightening moment for me because you can either be that positive chain reaction or that negative chain reaction. And a lot of the negativity comes from just people setting expectations of things and then those expectations not being met rather than appreciation. And typically like when we're doing things we love to do, like it's just so easy to be in an appreciative mode. But if we're doing things that we don't want to do as human beings or they feel like grinding of gears, like it's because it's not meeting our expectation of what life should be or should feel like. So yeah, just like follow that flow. Yep. I love that. Before we end, I want people to be able to reach out to you in case they have questions or would like to try some of your badass product. Where can they find you at? Um, so my Instagrams for my business are at Curcuma Kitchen and at Lunafixa. And then personally, I am Rachel Drinks Gold on Instagram. Awesome. Well, this has been a really, really inspiring episode for me. Uh, Rachel brought so much positive energy into the space. So one, I'm thankful for that. But then two, I literally have so many questions to ask her that I'm literally going to ask after this podcast. (laughs) Um, So what I'm probably going to do is I've never done this before, but I definitely have a lot of questions and I'll probably be sharing them through my email campaign or through our channels because there's a lot of questions I have around food and herbalism and Ayurveda because it's something that I want to kind of like instill and thrive as well in, yeah. in our culture. So appreciate you. Is there any parting words? Last, um, last, last words before we last, jump off? Last, last words. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just like, I think we covered it. I think, you know, the only thing to be scared of is like staying in the same. If you know it's not working, there's really nothing to lose by changing it. 
Awesome. And if there's somebody to reach out to for that, it's Rachel. <laughs> Anybody else that's listening out there right now, again, we're living in a time where a lot of things are changing and shifting and they're going to continue over the next year. If there's something that you feel is like grinding uh, your gears and it doesn't feel just right, don't be afraid to jump. Literally, I think she just described how she moved city to city, coast to coast, country to country, <laughs> continent to continent, different jobs, different businesses, different certificates. If it's not for you, it's probably not going to be for anybody else too. You're not going to bring that good energy. So please do us all a favor and whatever it is that you're thinking about, jump into it and start thriving on life. So this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. Until next time, y'all, thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. On behalf of our small team behind the scenes and myself, thank you so much for listening to another one of our Thrive on Life episodes. The time you spend with us is very much appreciated. As mentioned before the show, our mission is always to help those around us get better. We fully understand that we can go so much further in life together as a team, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. So if you're interested in joining our community, please head to thriveonlife.com and join our Mighty Network. Within this network, you will find a diverse group of people that is on a mission of self-improvement. Within each improvement we make as individuals, we can then be of service to this world and help it get better as a whole. What's awesome is we've already had people make new friends, receive job offers, and collaborate on new business and creative opportunities. But most importantly, within this group, you will be guaranteed the ability to learn, grow, and share experiences with other like-minded individuals. This aspect is critical to our world becoming a better place for everyone, and we are proud of our group because it represents this. For other updates on the podcast community and business, please join our weekly mailing list. We'd love to hear from you. And before I leave you, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.